the details. Good afternoon, everybody. We're going to get started, so come on in, and uh, if somebody could go ahead and close those doors, we'll just get started. So let's just make sure you're in the right spot. Uh, this workshop is called Leadership Together. Leadership Together. The workshop is about how God is restoring our four-square family back to our roots of men and women leaders serving together in the mission of the church. So you're, are you in the right spot? We good? Well, I'm so honored, honored that you're here uh, to spend a, a little bit of time talking about a subject that's very, uh, very close to my heart. And I'll tell you more about that in a second. But how many of you are, um, how many of the, the gentlemen in the room are lead pastors? Can I see your hand for the lead pastors? Just hold, keep them up for just a second. Okay. All right, thank you. So uh, how many, how many of uh, the ladies in the room are either, any lead pastors, women? Awesome, awesome. Anybody else? Okay. Very good. So how many of you other ladies are in, uh, I would call it just a top tier, like you're a teaching pastor, you're on staff, and you're, you're, you make decisions for the church, you're, you're teaching. A any of you here? Beautiful. All right, thank you. Just trying to get a feel for who's here. This is going to be a workshop where it's going to be very practical. Uh, we're going to talk through some um, fun topics, uh, and we're going to... I think tackle some issues that, that we've been wanting in Foursquare to tackle for a long time. So let me tell you why this is important to me. It's a passion point for me. Um, I am married to, and she will be here, I think, later. I think she will. Uh, sh my wife, Lydia, is, uh, is a teaching pastor at our church. Uh, we've been at New Life for 30 years. Um, we just celebrated our 30th anniversary last year. And Lydia, I'll tell you more about her journey later, but she was not always a teaching pastor. She uh, is, in fact, an, an amazing singer, and that was kind of her thing, do music. But uh, the Lord called her to, to preach the good news of Jesus. And uh, so anyways, just see her to flourish as she, she has done. She's pioneered the path at New Life for many women in leadership. And uh, so an another reason why this is important to me is because of the church I pastor. It's uh, 80 years old. Uh, it was founded by a woman back in 1938 and by Edith Ferguson. And uh, so anyways, Lydia and I have a place to serve all because uh, a woman of God, uh, a very um, beautiful soul, decided in 1938 to, to start a church. Uh, the other reason is Foursquare. Uh, We've been in Foursquare about 25 years, and we love our fellowship. We love this, uh, this family. We were founded by an amazing apostolic, prophetic leader, uh, Amy Simple McPherson. I love her story. Um, I don't think we tell it good enough sometimes in Foursquare. Uh, we're getting better. But to think what she did at a time when women couldn't even vote, come on. That, that, that took something from heaven. And uh, anyways, just a dynamic. I love her story. Uh, the other reason is because of all the women leaders that are in our church presently. We have 26 licensed pastors in our church. And of that 26, over half of them are women. 
Uh, every weekend at New Life, we have five campuses, two Spanish-speaking campuses, three English. And every weekend at New Life, there are women up on the platform giving the gospel of Jesus. Every weekend. And uh, in fact, Gladys, Pastor Gladys is uh, sitting in the back. Uh, Gladys and her husband, uh, Hector. Wave your hand, Gladys. Everybody knows who you are. Uh, Pastor Gladys um, uh, is an RN, but she's also a pastor. And they started the Terrace Campus Spanish um, about two years ago. And I think last Sunday or the Sunday before, they ha had 120 in attendance. It's a Spanish-speaking congregation. Uh, and Hector was considered and, and has been the, the lead guy. And then she supported him. But now they have become co-pastors. And I mean, in really, not just in title, but in authority and officially. And then Pastor Gladys will in just a few months, become officially the main campus pastor. Uh, so this is very dear to my heart. In fact, I'd like to, if I could, uh, Erica and, and Jeanette, if you could stand up. And then uh, you just met um, Gladys. So Jeanette is my executive pastor. Uh, Erica serves on my executive team. And she's a teaching uh, pastor at the church and is a fantastic communicator. And anyways, I just want to kind of put a face with these people. And um, so it's very dear to my heart, this thing of women in leadership. So uh, a quick part of my story, and then we're going to dive right into Q&A. Uh, I hope Pastor Wendy will be here. She will be here, uh, I hope. But uh, Pastor Wendy was sent out from our church uh, a couple years ago to... Uh, to become a supervisor, four-square supervisor in the southern part of the United States. And uh, so I've not forgiven uh, Glenn nor Tammy. Uh, they stole her, and uh, we, we miss her terribly. She's a, an amazing leader. That's my wife. Did you hear that? <laughs> I love that. I said, and that was my wife out in the hallway. Yeah. This is Lydia. So a um, couple years, I've sat on the board, and uh, I'm about to go off. But uh, by sitting on the board, I speak to the issues that matter to my heart. And two years ago, three years ago, uh, it was during a board meeting that this issue of women in leadership came up. And I'm listening, and uh, I'm getting frustrated. Because these are the same issues we have been talking about in Foursquare since I got in. By the way, you know why I came in this fellowship? Primarily, women in leadership. And I, I bought in, man, yeah, women in leadership, yeah. Then I got in, and I looked around, where are all the women leaders? What happened? And the brochure said we had them, and, but <laughs> what happened, right? And, and uh, began to poke around a little bit and found out that really Facts are, the facts are, in the 30s, 40% of our pastor, lead pastors were women. 40% in the 30s. Presently, that number is 7%. And that's up, because in the 90s, it was down to 3%. And so, for me, I begin to just ask this question during this board meeting about, about, um, why, why do we keep talking that we need to do something? Let's, let's, you know, let's, 
And when I got through, I was just expressing myself. Be careful how you express yourself. Because Pastor Glenn stopped and he turned to me and said, you need to lead the Women in Ministry Leadership Initiative. <laughs> no, I, re I really don't need another thing to do. Uh, but man, the Holy Spirit just said, no, no, you, you need to take this. And so therefore, last two years, I have been leading this wonderful uh, initiative, Women in Leadership Initiative for Foursquare. And I've had uh, the mandate was to, number one, uh, have a uh, define reality. How are we doing? Be real. And then out of that, define, uh, get practical on recommendations to our Foursquare leadership about what we can do to change things. Then the second team was theology because our theology was a little bit, um, it wasn't real solid in that area. We wanted to get real solid. So I had these two, two teams. And uh, so we, we've been on this journey for the last two years. And what we came up with, and you will get a copy of that today, Hi, Steve. Uh, what you will get is a copy of the 21 recommendations that we spent two years coming up with. It processed through uh, Pastor Glenn, Pastor Tammy. Then it went through to the board. The board approved them. Now, this is presently four squares. This, we have said collectively, this is our new marching order. This is where we're going to go with women in leadership. It's exciting. It's, um, uh, we're real honest about what, our, what is broken but we're real honest about where we're headed and what we can do to change it. So that, that's kind of this, the journey of where we're at, where we've been, where we're going. Uh, Pastor Glenn has resolve on this. He really does. Pastor Tammy does. Uh, I believe that our president-elect uh, does as well. I've talked to him privately, and uh, I'm really hopeful. So anyways, what they're handing out right now are the, uh, the recommendations. I'd like you to see them. I, the last session, I went through them all, and... I don't think I'm going to do that this go around. Uh, I, do wanna, I, I do want you, Erica, to give them an update like you did on, on a few of them, okay? So Erica has been with me for the last two years uh, guiding the management of this process. Uh, she uh, has been doing a great job. But anyways, let her bring you up to speed on some of those that we, I feel like we've made great traction on, okay? Thank you, Pastor James. We have a task force that's in place and has been working very, very hard to um, put some action to these 21 recommendations that have been uh, board approved. Um, so I'm going to give you just kind of a little bit of an update. Um, Pastor, do you want to tell them who's on the task force? Trying to see if anybody, they were here, a lot of them, the last session. They got stuck at the restaurants. Okay. Uh, Whitney's in the back. Whitney's on my team and has been. Uh, Nate Petzl's on my team. Ted Vale's on my team. Um, help me out. Dan Munz as a supervisor is on the team. Uh, Marion. Mary Walsh. Lisa. Tim Dorothy. I think that's it. Oh, Adrian. Yes. Yeah. Um, Keith Jenkins was, but he's not. So there you have it. It's a great task force. They've been working really, really hard, again, to put some action towards these 21 recommendations. But I just want to kind of pinpoint a couple of them. Um, they are four out of the 21 recommendations as of today that have been completed. So the number one, um, the first one, I should say, is number eight. Create a four-square church board-approved accountability structure. So that, of course, has already been put in place. So that is a check mark and completed. 
Um, the second one is number 14. It's on the second page, the sec- right behind you. I'm sorry, the second page on the back. That's what I meant to say. And it's number 14, require that everyone who wants to pursue a pastoral license with Foursquare to understand Wimmel doctrine and be committed to commissioning women into their church. So um, this has been put in place through our polity. So um, I think you guys know that about a year and a half ago, I think it's been about a year and a half, our polity has shifted a little bit. So there are uh, the women in ministry leadership videos um, by Jerry Dearman, by Pastor Jerry Dearman, who are on there. So we have to, it is now a requirement to watch the videos. And then there is a quiz right after that to make sure that you understood exactly what um, the doctrine says and what was being said and how Foursquare believes in women in ministry leadership. So it is a requirement. And then on top of that, it didn't used to be a requirement, although it's always um, our understanding that Foursquare believes in women in ministry leadership, that now there is a question at the very end, and it's a specific question in asking, do you believe in women in ministry leadership? And um, it is a number one question that has to be asked now through the licensure. So that's pretty good. So those things have been put in place because of that. Number 19, create a Facebook uh, group or other networking groups for all Foursquare women in ministry leadership. This has also been in place. There is a Facebook that's called Women in Ministry Leadership. It is a little deceiving in in that it kind of just suggests that it's for women, but it is not. It is also for men. It's for everybody to get on the page, and there's videos uploaded um, about women in ministry leadership. I know that recently um, Pastor Tammy and Pastor... um, Glenn Burris were just on there communicating and talking about how to be in leadership together as a male leader and a female leader. And it was a really, really great video. They're still up there, so you guys are more than welcome to go back and take a look at them. And the last one that's been completed is number 21, establish a male-led national women task force that is platformed and visible within the Foursquare Church and is accountable for executing these recommendations. And that is exactly what the task force is doing. So out of those 21 recommendations, as of right now, we have four that have been completed, the four that we just talked about. There's 13 that are pending in action, meaning that there's just a couple more things that they need to do. And just so that you know, their pastors on the team have partnered together. They're working tirelessly and very um, hard to make sure that they are getting these um, recommendations completed. So there's still some surveys that they need to do, some research that they need to do to make sure that we accomplish this task. And then out of the 21 recommendations, there's four that still need to need action um, to put towards action so that we can get those completed. But out of all of those, we're working really, really hard. We're getting it, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So here's the deal. You know this. uh, Culture doesn't change overnight. We have systems issues in Foursquare right now with this issue. We've discovered that. Uh, Some of you already knew that. Well, I discovered that. We discovered that it's we're we're reviewing and like the the simple thing of at the entrance level coming into Foursquare, um, this is like a non-negotiable. That's what I thought, but it it was kind of negotiable. Whereas now there's it's it's very clear. No, we are Foursquare, and this is our roots. We were fa- we were founded by a woman, um, you know. By the way, at a time when women couldn't even vote, that's how apostolic she was, right? Um, anyway, so. A lot of this is to, to get the ball rolling, to, to define reality. And again, this is a three-year process. We are now in our third year. A lot of work's gone in. Very bright people, gifted people, spiritual people have been going after this thing because we know that is who we are. That's, that's, we want this value to not just be something we talk about. 
is something that we live out. And I, I, I think you agree with this, but I hope you do. But I think Foursquare should be, should be on the cutting edge of this. And we hope to be again. That's our dream. That's our hope. And uh, I know Glenn and Tammy feel that way. The board feels passionate, passionately that way. So I want to do something right now because uh, last time I didn't need leave quite enough time for uh, Q&A. So I, I want to have my wife come up, Lydia. And uh, is Wendy in here yet? No? Okay, she's fired. All right. Um, so I, I think it'd be good. One of the, there's a lot of big issues that surround this, a lot of uh, tension points, because we, we do have some pastors in Foursquare that are not for women in leadership. That is a fact, which just blows my mind, but we do have some of those. But more than not, we have, we have, we have male pastors, lead pastors, who it, it's not that they don't believe in it. They just don't know how. Or they tried it and it just didn't work. And I mean, you know, we were talking about some of the fallout. When you, there will be, there will be some fallout when you make this official that you're really going to go this path. Uh, Lydia, as I said, is a, a, just a dynamic speaker. She does a great job at the church, but it hasn't always been that way. She, for the first probably five to seven years uh, of new life, uh, our church, she sang and was an amazing singer, but she didn't preach. And then she felt the stirring, the call of God in her life to become a preacher of the gospel. And, and her first Sunday, she got up. By that time, the church had grown from about 45 to about eh, maybe four or 500. And she got up to speak. And this is exactly what happened. We had at least 12 families, whole families, whole families <laughs> get up and walk out. And I went, Oh, Houston, we've got a problem. I didn't even know. What's the deal, right? No, we had, they left the church. And uh, so I had to go on this, this quest of um, figuring this thing out. I didn't do my job. By the way, we need to do our job as far as teaching our people better. I didn't teach my people well. And that's the reason why they were stunned that a woman got up there. And anyway, so I, uh, we did. We went on a two-year journey. We nailed down our doctrine. We found our position. And then I went public. And I said, you know, there's not a nice, easy way to put this, but New Life Church, we are a church that will champion and sponsor those who are called and gifted by God to lead and preach in the Church of Jesus. Uh, again, we lost a few more folks over that. But now, fast forward 30 years. Last year was our 30th anniversary. And and, uh, again, 26 pastors, half of them are, are women. Uh, it, it's so it, it's, not, it's like a non-issue these days. But, anyways, you, you want to chime in there, Lydia, how about where that transition was and how you felt? Um, I mean, it's very difficult when you watch people get up and walk out. So I told him I'm not doing it again, and he goes, oh, yes, you are. And, uh, and so, but I have to say that in that time I didn't realize really what I was doing as far as setting precedent but I was and so now I get to watch my beautiful daughter-in-law teach all the time mm -hmm. at our main campus and watch her life bloom and she just gets up there and she's so vulnerable and real and open but it's because God allowed me to take the knock so that she has the privilege of doing that and she's amazing and Erica over here the same thing they don't know any other way but to just to be real and vulnerable and and speak their heart 
and they come at it just right out of the bat, but that's because the atmosphere was set, and God allowed me to be that person to blaze the trail for them. But I tell you, when I was taking the knock, I wasn't thinking about them. <laughs> I was thinking about me <laughs> and uh, the knocks that I was taking. But now, looking back in retrospect, I so see what God was doing in allowing me to be the one to blaze the trail for them. Oh, Camilla, can you stand up? This is my beautiful daughter-in-law. Well, it's his too, but... <laughs> and, uh, Camilla is um, uh, full-time at the church at our main campus, her and my son, Jim. I saw him in here somewhere, but he, he, he's already heard it, so he's <laughs> not here. Um, but anyways, they, they are now co-pastor of our central campus, and uh, Camilla started preaching probably two years ago, three years ago on Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. And if you heard her now, it, it's just, yeah. she, she's an unbelievable speaker, but uh, and Wendy and Alaska was another one that, alongside of me, was one of the first ones we raised up in ministry uh, as far as a, a female pastor besides Pastor Jeanette here. And Wendy took the knocks, too, because she was the first one to be a campus pastor, first female to be a campus pastor. And when she took the campus, a lot of people left simply because she was a female. And so she took it right alongside me. And, uh, but you look now, and it's really not. The, now, you do have people that will come and visit, and they will see there's women and not come back. That's okay. We're our line's drawn in the sand. It's who we are. It's who we believe. It's our identity. And uh, so, so now that happens, but it's a whole different atmosphere. Now it's an expected thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, Pastor Wendy took that campus. It was running about 250. And within just a short period of time, is running, averaging almost 1,000 people. That was, that was really, that's 100% on her. She is that kind of a leader. Uh, they built out a brand new campus my daughter-in-law and her two women (laughs) built out this magnificent campus i had nothing to do with it other than raising the money and uh anyways it's beautiful so let's 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 uh get started eric you want to be vanna white and do the mic thing and all that kind of stuff um so go ahead and uh and when whenever wendy shows up she'll get in here we'll give her a mic as well could you introduce yourself whenever you Ask the question. Yes, uh, Garrett from California, um, and I actually have two questions, and they're they're kind of <laughs> separate. So, um, first, addressing fifteen and eighteen, um, just as a married husband, and my wife and I do our best to keep everything above board. How do you develop a healthy mentoring relationship with someone of the opposite sex that doesn't cross any boundaries? That there's still accountability. So that would be my first question. And then the second question, addressing the 7%, mm-hmm. um, I think my mind jumps to whether or not it's a four-square structure issue or if it's a cultural issue. Do, do you guys happen to know how many of our licensed ministers are women and what percent? Like we have, say, 30% of all of our licensed ministers are women but only 7% are in senior roles or leadership roles or executive roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's a gap there or if there's not a gap there, then obviously it would be more of a cultural issue. So I just didn't know if you had that as well. I do. We do everything in groups. especially The, the best way is in threes, like uh, Wendy even said that earlier. There's, it's group of threes. Uh, he never goes out with a woman by himself. He will take either another woman with him or someone else with him. But 
uh, it's always in groups of threes. So there's accountability. But when you, a lot of times when you do it in threes, if you're wanting personal mentorship, there's room and space to do that. Where if you get a big group, sometimes you're not going to get a, a lot of one-on-one. -on -one. But when you take somebody with you, that happens. Uh, Jeanette goes with him a lot because this is his personal assistant and also our executive pastor. And so she goes with him a lot. And, um, and sometimes she doesn't say a whole lot because he's there to mentor that person. But she's there to shadow him and be there with him. And then I go with him a lot. So whenever I can, when I'm not busy doing something else, I go with him. So anyway. I think that group mentoring, it's the cure for a lot of things. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I, uh, I've mentored Erica. I've mentored my daughter-in-law. I've mentored Wendy. I've mentored Jeanette in a way that is, okay, in other words, if I see something, let's say they're given a message, they come off the stage and I will immediately go to them and say, hey, I see this, that was really good, but here's something I think you need to tweak. There's that going on all the time. Yeah. But there, in, in 30 years, and I say this to the glory of God, we have never had, with all of our pastors and leaders, hundreds of them, we've never had an affair. And I say that again, we're all human, so, but I'm saying there are some guidelines that we follow, but they're not like we're, we're freaking out about them either. It's just, we, let, me, let me give you something that I stole from John Ortberg. See if I can find it for you. This is um, something I give to our pastors and our staff every year at the top of the year. It's guidelines for men and women uh, leading together. There's the secret test. Never want to keep a secret from another female that I would not share with my wife. Uh, there's the sibling test. I don't want to engage in any behavior with another woman that I would not engage with my sister or my daughter. By the way, my sister is in this room. One of them. You got five. I've got five <laughs> sisters. I'm the only boy, so I was in preparation for what I'm doing now. Rhonda, wave your hand at everybody. She looks that's, like him. Yeah, that's my <laughs> sissy. And then, uh, the so it's the secret test, the sibling test, the screen test. The screen test is, am I comfortable with the conversation, the interaction with a woman being up on the screen at church in front of the whole church family? That kind of simplifies some things. So Wendy just entered the room. Ta-da. <laughs> Come on down, Wendy. Come on down. <laughs> What's that? I know. We did too. This Kill is the it. most complicated place <laughs> ever. I, I just. So the second question, um, Wendy, the, the first question was about mentoring. Mm -hmm. And we talked about that a little bit. If we you don't believe in that. We don't believe in that. <laughs> Let her catch her breath. <laughs> uh, so the second part was, uh, is it a cultural thing uh, about the why we're down to 7% of lead pastors? Yeah. I've yeah, I've got the exact numbers. I Credentialing is about half. Yeah, half credentialed. Where it, the disparity comes in is in senior appointments. So we see a large issue there. What was the question about mentoring? Did you want me to answer that? Uh, I think we covered that pretty good. But I mean, honestly, it, it goes the other way, too, because it, it's not just how does a dude, you know, mentor women leaders. It's how do women mentor men leaders. It's the same principle. And, and Wendy did that very well for the years she was at New Life. I've already informed them that Glenn and Tammy stole you, and I haven't forgiven them. <laughs> But Wendy would have in her, her, her groups 
Always had men in her groups. Always. It, it, and it became, it bec- after a while, it becomes normalized. And it's not like. It's like in the workplace. <laughs> oh, so the question was, we have the exact number. She, she can give me, I'm sure she can. She's like that person now. <laughs> it is. But I will tell you what I have, this is our discovery, the team's discovery, is that our Foursquare family, uh, we got a lot of strengths, but this is a weakness. The weakness is we say we believe this, but our practice isn't that. Yeah, and there's nothing, that's not minimizing that. You know, women, but women can be leaders of anything at any level. And um, I think we've had mission drift. I think we drifted from mission, and, and uh, anyways, for another time, but it's the gatekeepers that we're, we're really focusing on. The gatekeepers are the supervisors. It's the male lead pastors. By the way, thank you guys, all you guys. Really, thank you. Because last year, Wendy did the same thing, and I think we have maybe five or six guys in the room. And in the first session, we had a whole lot of male pastors, lead pastors, so the gatekeepers are the supervisors, the male lead pastors, and church councils. There's a big problem with church councils. Supervisors are telling us that, hey, when we recommend a woman to be the lead pastor, the council's like, what? What are you talking about? They don't even know that four squared is a value, and it's a deal. So anyways, that's a big deal. Let's go to another question. Yes, ma'am. So my name's Michelle. I've been a youth pastor and a senior pastor. And what I found with both young women who I've mentored um, and women older than myself is that there's a culture of, well, I just can't. Um, This culture of, well, there's no example before me, so can I really do it? Or um, they have the gifting even more than another guy in their intern group. And I'm like, hey, go for it. Like, you are gifted in this area. They're like, but he's been given the platform, so I don't want to take over. I don't want to be this or that. And so, like, there's this hesitancy. And so I was looking at the list, and I was like, is there a – then I go back to the beginning. If we're going to make this good for the next generations, what are we doing with our children? What are we doing with our youth to speak into um, this lie of the enemy that we don't belong? Mm -hmm. Um, And so – I've had to fight that a lot in my personal ministry, and so I just wonder, like, is there something in Foursquare that we could do beyond just our personal um, invested ministries in our children and our youth? Should I take it? Yes. If, so it's complex. What you just laid out is complex, so it's not, there's not a simple answer to even respond to that. You have to start with where you are, not where you want to be. So we start with where we are, and I would press we start with those that are receptive and begin to accelerate what is already possible. That's how you'll begin to turn and create a new culture. Um, So yes, when we think about leadership development, which we have a vacuum right now, and we're gonna be feeling the effects of that in just a few years, uh, that's a little bit of what you're hitting on, which is, in part a women issue but it's also a leadership discipleship issue Um, because as we grow and mature in the likeness of christ then we embody the spirit of christ and then we begin to be about the ministry of jesus 
So it, it is a little bit complex, but um, I know as supervisors, we work really hard to create pipelines for continued development, and they're not mandatory learning environments, but for those that come, we really get alongside of those environments, those churches, those local contexts, and help to accelerate what is happening there. But I think so, like Wendy and Camilla are great examples of this because they have girls, and uh, my oldest granddaughter, or my oldest grandchild is uh, Camilla's daughter, but Layla doesn't even look at limitations right now. She doesn't even see them. Why? Because we set a culture in our church that women can lead the same as men. So there's no blinders on when it comes to her. So it's as we begin to change the culture of our churches, it's going to change the culture for our children. Lola has no hesitancy. She was on the convention floor last year, right? And got up there just as brave as it could be. She thought nothing of it because to her, women can lead the same as anybody else. And so it's as we change the culture of our churches and of our districts, it will change the culture for our children. My daughter does that up there. They're your friends, not mine. <laughs> so let me say, we'll go back here, uh, Erica, in just a second. You'll see in those recommendations, this is the discovery we made. This is vital. This is this is everything, in my opinion. If we're going to change the culture, it will be, it's going to come through the male lead pastors sponsoring everything. If you look in there, it, it cohorts. A lot of pastors, male pastors, don't even think about, they don't even consider discipling, mentoring, apprenticing a female. It's not on the radar. So we got to begin with them and saying, okay, wait a second. There is a way. Jesus did that. He had women in his team. He had students. He was the rabbi. They sat at his feet. They learned. They traveled with him. And a time when women, as you know what the culture was back then. So I'm just saying, I, my, my feeling is that even with um, the cohorts that, that Foursquare is doing, I love it. Marion uh, Engineering, she does these uh, these cohorts that are just fantastic, but there's men involved, male lead pastors that are involved in the mentoring process. And so all you guys in the room, I'm just saying, to me, to you, and it's up to us. To change the culture, it's, it's going to be on us. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I really just wanted to add to that. I'm a father of a handful of daughters. Uh, it's really powerful to see what you've done with yours. But, you know, I, I my question is more, What's your name? Mike from Mike. Cornerstone Church. Uh, I'm in youth ministry. So um, how do we bring it home and not just into the church? How do we empower our daughters, right? Because it's, it doesn't – you can't fix a problem in church if you're not fixing a problem at home, right? The problem isn't so much the way the church is ended up. The problem is the way that we look at our daughters mm -hmm. and the way that people look at our daughters, right? So if we can start in the home as fathers – and, and, and teach our children that there is no boundaries and no limits between male or female or color or race, then there will be no hesitation. Right. I rarely teach on parenting because I am like mid-process and there is no proof in any pudding. <laughs> So anything that I'm about to tell you comes from the perspective of, like, we're figuring this out in the journey. Something that we're very intentional about with our children is focusing on the development of who they are becoming and who God has shaped them to be rather than what they're called to do. 
So even as we think about dreams and aspirations, which typically go to vocation, we sort of go, let's really change that conversation a bit. Who are you becoming and what has God shaped you to be? And then out of that flows whatever it is you're going to do, which could be a myriad of things over the course of a lifetime. When we start with vocation, I think we've already began to put limiters. I'll leave that one there. So, Winnie, let's chat a little bit. Because what, I, what I'm, again, I said it earlier, but a lot of male pastors, it's not that they're against women in leadership. They just don't know how. And they've never seen it modeled. So I think it'd be good for uh, us to have a chat. So, yeah, we raised two sons. Yeah, thanks for reminding me of that. So, yeah, it's been an experiment with my daughter-in-laws, and I have uh, six grandchildren, four of them are little girls, so we're making up for lost time. <laughs> so let me, let me do this real quick, and I'll come to you. Um, the practical side of what do you do to get more women in leadership, this is so simple. I shouldn't even say it. I guess it's so simple, but you got to look for them. Seriously, a lot of pastors aren't even looking for a female leader. Like there's this potential they, they may have, and you start having that God conversation. That's what I did with, with Wendy. And uh, give, a, give a little bit of that story, would you? He said, I see in you to be. Now go and do. <laughs> Well, doesn't get much more complicated than that. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> true. But Sal, her husband is standing. Wave, every, everybody, Sal. Uh, Sal is a hero, man. I just there's another whole side of this subject that we could talk with Sal in this relationship. But um, I took them out to lunch, and I did. I had that I see in you conversation, and they were not in the faith a long, long time. I mean, you drifted away, did you know what you did, and you came back to your faith and your mid According to last night's interview, I might have gone to jail. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyways, I just said, I, I seen you. This is what I see. Because everything that she would do, like in a small group, her small group would just explode with people. You know, I give her this to do, and all of a sudden, boom, man, she's just, and, and she was a people magnet, and she knew how to just, anyway, she, she just had those characteristics of a leader. And so I said in front of Sal and her, I said, this, I, this is what I see in you. And her eyes got big and Sal's got big. And I thought, man, I've just really messed up here or I missed the mark or something because I don't think you're getting what I'm saying. And so we finished lunch and that was that. But it actually began the journey with, with, with Pastor Wendy being elevated to where she became the executive pastor and a campus pastor at the same time over a congregation of about 1,000 people per weekend. On Easter, or last Easter, they had 1,700. And, and, and it's, I think it's simply because when I would give her, like a small group, it would grow, and then I gave her a ministry, and it would grow, and then give her, and it would grow. And it, it's the leadership thing. So you're not trying to make it happen. You're not, not trying to force it. You're just simply, I see in you. So let's go to... 
I'm Eleanor Freyheit. I'm the lead pastor at Hope Community in uh, Tacoma, Washington. And um, I am a unicorn. And what I mean by that <laughs> is that um, I was raised in a four-square church from age seven, believed I could do anything, and then grew up and realized that that was not the case as I looked around. Um, I can count five men in like tremendously powerful leadership positions who actively gave their power away to me. And that's the only reason why I'm in the position I'm in. Not because one did, because five camp directors, lead pastors, district supervisors gave their power away to me when they could have kept the whole pie for themselves. Um, And what I will say is that when I have um, you know, at, at camps or, or other things, when I've said, could we get like a woman up there in some capacity? Often the answer is, we've got the woman thing taken care of. We're showing a video of Amy Simple McPherson on Friday. <laughs> or or um, oh, we're, having, we're having that woman come up to lead devotions on Wednesday morning. So camp is covered for women. And I feel like this list makes me feel like I'm not lying to our daughters when we tell them they have a future in Foursquare because I was lied to. I was told there was a future in Foursquare, and you're like, but you're standing there. And I'm like, but I'm a unicorn. This is not normal (laughs) that I got through somehow, if that makes sense. And so I feel like not only should these things be suggested, but in my heart there would be some kind of mandatory training around how we engage um, women in leadership, because I will tell you honestly, and I, I'm, ash- I'm afraid to say this, but last night to not have Tammy elected, this is what the devil puts in our brains. It's not true, and Randy is amazing, and it's going to be awesome, but what we hear is it's a vote against women, and I think the elephant in the room because I'm looking at the women around me and we're supposed to stand up and applaud and we do want to because we love Randy. But I look at the faces of the women around me and we're shell-shocked. We're not ready to stand and cheer because we are wondering if what this means is that our peers are saying, no, thank you. Um, I'm sure that's not true. (laughs) I'm sure everyone heard the Lord and voted out of their hearts and it's all going to be great. But I feel like it needs to be addressed because we're making it seem like we all know we're all spiritual enough to do exactly the right thing. But if it was just up to calling and the Lord calling, then there would have been women in ministry for the last 2,000 years, and there haven't been. I'm sure the Lord has gifted women then just as he is now. So my question is, is there a plan? Because I am begging for the elephant in the room to be addressed so that we feel like, we are seen, and that it matters, not just what we're saying, but that it matters. I think I should respond to that. You're Uh, the board member. (laughs) Listen, I can guarantee you this. I guarantee you uh, there is resolve on this. I got into this gig because I opened my mouth on the board, and you know, Glenn said, "Tag you're it," and um, I didn't need another thing to do. But this is so close to my heart, and (laughs) 
It's your fault. You made me cry. It is common. So, shift gears. Um, no, we, we're not playing games. And what really ticked me off is just very confessional here. And I think, Steve, you may have been on that team that put together the original uh, Women in Leadership book. I thought I saw your name. Maybe Steve Shell. Yeah. What we discovered is, I'm talking about this happened when I first got started in this defining reality stage. In the back of that book that we pass out to everybody, it has all these recommendations, all this hard work we've been doing. A lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them were already in that booklet. Go home and look at it. So when we hand out there, Women in Leadership, and it made me upset. I'm going like, okay, that was in 07, and I looked at all the recommendations. Nothing's been done. And so I'm saying for me, as a pastor, as a leader, it's just not on my watch. But I also have leadership. Glenn has the resolve. Tammy has the resolve. Uh, the board has the resolve. I don't know, know any board members in here. But there really is. There's a, there's a new day in Foursquare for this issue, and it's no longer. It is going to be the elephant in the room that we talk about, and um, we are. So you have, you have a lot of hope. You really do. I assure you of that. Uh, did you want to talk to that? Or you? And, and the difference with this task list is there is what they were saying at the first session, is there is deadlines to this. There is traction being made on an ongoing basis. It's not just suggestions and then put on the sideline. Now there's deadlines. There's people that are moving on it. There's traction constantly being made to make sure these things are actually happening. Yes, ma'am. Um, my name is Jesse, and I'm from Snohomish, Washington. So I am also a unicorn because um, I just planted a church um, at 25, and I'm also We single. love church planters. Woo-woo! <laughs> so I am a single female church planter. Um, and as someone who is 25 and young and new at this and kind of just starting to gain my voice, I feel like what I've come into contact with is trying to speak my voice and respect both the equality of men in leadership as well as women in leadership but and not be disrespectful, but also know when do I speak out, when do I stand up, when am I not just beating the like women in leadership drum? Um, because that's commonly the thing. It's like, okay, we get it, Jesse. You're about women in leadership. It's like, okay, yeah, but also, like, let's be real because I've come into contact where it's like even as I stood up last night, like I had two men in front of me who went around me and wouldn't lay their hands on me. They only laid their hands on the men that laid their hands on me. And so it was like, how do I as a woman coming up in this, in this age lead the charge but also in a way, like what is my role in this? Because it's like I'm trying to figure it out because I feel like it has to come from the people before me but also I know that I have a part to play. So as a young person who's been in your shoes, um, how, what is my role? What does it look like? How do I stay encouraged? Because it's exhausting. <laughs> it is very exhausting. So you said you're question. 25. Yes. You're allowed to make a lot of mistakes at 25. I mean, I don't say that tongue in cheek. I mean that literally. Did you make any at 25? Boatloads. No one would have trusted me at 25 except for you. <laughs> so take it in context. Like you develop over time. 
Um, second is, and I'm going to say this as a minority, so I'm Cuban and I'm female, which is a weird thing when you lead in a church context. Um, <laughs> shouldn't be, but it is. I'm very cautious about the platform stewardship of my voice and the issues that I speak to. So I rely heavily on my male counterparts when this conversation comes up and we'll speak offline and they do a wonderful job of continuing to advance that. But I have to be cognizant that if this becomes my issue, the, the intention and the impact are missed in interpretation. And so um, I think this is where the, the body comes together and where men and women co-labor really well. We share each other's burdens and we care for one another's injustices. And I will say, as a female supervisor, the only one in the nation, uh, it's more than just a female issue, guys. It's actually all minorities are connected to when women advance, ethnic groups have hope. on that and he won't toot his own horn but if you can go on our webpage and look at it he's talking about Jackie Robinson and when Jackie Robinson came into baseball he was the only one and a man of color that came into baseball but he opened the door for everybody else to come in so yes I'm going to tell you I had to blaze the same trail you got to blaze a trail but because you're brave enough to do it you're going to open the door for so many other people to step through and I would encourage you to listen to that because it will encourage you and I don't think we tell Amy's story well enough. That blows my mind because I'm kind of a new kid on the block in Foursquare. I've been here 25 years. But I'm saying it's almost like we're sometimes embarrassed. On I'm going, are you kidding me? Everybody gets hung up on the, the kidnapping thing. Who cares? Look what this lady did. I'll let the, I don't even care. I really, I don't. It's a non-issue. And everybody under 40, it doesn't matter to. Yeah, I shouldn't, I don't I'm going to get in trouble saying that. Is this being recorded? <laughs> oh, shoot. Anyways. My name is Evan. I am from Troutdale, Oregon. My question is, if a point of resistance is frequently on at the church council level, what sort of recommendations or action steps are being um, implemented or suggested to put women in leadership positions on church councils, not just the identification of the of the lead pastors to be advocating for for their gifted and anointed women in visible ministry but in the in the business structures of the church through the councils We're, we just started this journey uh honestly and that that one right there is kind of a new revelation it really is we i didn't know that that was a barrier until maybe the last year, year and a half, because our council, we have women on our council. It's a, it's you find the best and the brightest, and if they're female, great. If they're male, great. But um, maybe you could. You have any response to that? Yes, great question. Um, and church council training as a whole is something that we really need to focus on which encompasses also the diversity conversation, but there's core competency issues there. There's a lot of our polity that functions through a church council. So church council training, I know is something that we're talking about as supervisors, especially as we approach transitions and creating processes for training and equipping church councils. 
Hi, Tiffany from California. Um, the question. So um, we, my husband and I, we actually co-pastor. I was installed as the senior lead initially, uh, and then we've kind of transitioned over seven years into more of a co-leadership thing that's happening, um, which is good. And I uh, had the opportunity to go through a Wimmel cohort about three years ago, uh, which was which was really good. Uh, but and we because I'm a woman and I do you know I'm platformed I, s I speak regularly uh, and my husband we, we get to share the platform and so we do have a large amount of uh, women who are equipped and called well they're called to leadership there's a gifting and anointing on their life uh, but as far as being able to equip them having gone through Wimmel I understand that I probably should have some kind of responsibility to lead another Wimmel cohort but not feeling like I have the resources to do that. And then number two, so uh, it, are there resources to help me launch something like that? And then number two, having gone through that as a woman and we share the platform, we share leadership responsibility for the church, is there something in place where if there's a co-pastoring, because I think a lot of churches, at least if they're under 40, are co-pastoring, um, to equip the men to... Uh, be in some sort of Wimmel cohort to learn how to, because if Wimmel's happening for women, is Wimmel happening for men? Uh, and I think if it was in a co-pastor position, it could be easier because there might be a, little, a, a lot more women. Uh, I don't know if that's a question. <laughs> yeah, it is. A, it's a very good question. The answer is no. The cohorts are for women, you know. But what a great idea. For, you know what I'm saying? We, we could absolutely do that. But there are resources. Uh, Marion does a great one, and she w she would give you the resource. Tammy does one, and there's somebody else. Uh, Heidi, I think, still does. Anyways, there's three or four that we can absolutely get you the, the resources for. Yeah. And you do have an obligation, yes, you do. <laughs> Other questions? Yeah. I'm Megan from California. Um, in New Braunfels. Welcome New Braunfels. to the Big South. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, again, my husband and I, we also co-pastor and co-lead. Um, and I guess this is kind of speaking to that, the question, I'm sorry, I forget your name. Um, James. No, the girl, she asked, the she was 25. I forgot your name. Jesse. Um, kind of piggybacks off of her question um, about, like, having that voice and when is it right or not. And mine's more of a practical because often what we find since we do co-pastor, the issue we find is when people greet us, I get the you're the pastor's wife issue. And I don't, sometimes, it, sometimes it's just because they don't know, they have no idea, and someone's introduced him as the pastor. But with our congregation before, oftentimes people who knew would still often only introduce me as the pastor's wife. And I had this conflict inside of, is it too catty to correct them? You know, because my husband oftentimes would, if he was there, would do an amazing job of, oh, no, my wife is also the pastor, not just the pastor's wife. But when it's just me, like, what's the appropriate response? Is, there a, is it appropriate to correct them? And how would you go about correcting them if it is appropriate? Have you been called the pastor's wife lately? <laughs> Um, I get called the pastor's wife often. Um, and this is, there is no black and white way to answer this. 
So I'll just share with you from my experience. I made a decision early on that I would choose to take the high road and weed through anyways. Um, so oftentimes I don't correct those things. Um, and I'm not offended by them anymore. Earlier on, it used to be very painful, very hurtful. Um, but I've chose to just lead anyways. And I've watched people who were not um, advocates turn and come on the journey with us. And I've watched people who were even opposed theologically um, reconsider and come on the journey with us. And I've watched people who were theologically opposed come on the journey with us. So I've seen the spectrum on that. So that's just a personal um, philosophy. I don't correct those things. More often than not, I choose to be gracious. Um, I think about um, the Proverbs that says that um, you don't know the, the mind of the king. And I have the privilege to keep my thought to myself and to choose to lead anyways. I would say a lot of the same thing. Uh, it was very difficult at me at times when we, when I really started stepping into ministry on my own. But um, after a while of me simply leading and continuing to lead, that I got the, re the same respect as the pastor. And I think as you do that, again, I don't, do you find that as much, Camilla? I don't think she finds it quite as much sometimes, do you? Or Because she just stepped into this role now as co-pastor. I think something you said last session, Wendy, is important. You, you have to, uh, as a female leader, you have to leverage your voice. It's just the way it is. We, we, we all do. But I think you, you, you have to have your advocates and your sponsors that open up the door for you. Now, once you're in the door, I've done that for Wendy a lot. But I can only open up the door. But once she gets in it, you got to have the goods. You got to deliver. And all I've done with Lydia, I mean, Lydia's, oh yeah, that's great. She she can speak. But wait until you hear her speak. Then you go, wow. I don't care if she's a woman or a man, or, you know. So I just think just really leverage your voice. And uh, just an admonition or an encouragement to all again all of us guys. We've got to be the door openers. It, this will never change unless we take that initiative. And um, so, anyways, I keep saying. I get I invited a lot because I fill all the token boxes. <laughs> so you invite me to your event, and you get the Hispanic, you get the female, you get like a two for one special on that. It's true. And this is, and this is what I will tell other female leaders. It doesn't bother me that the invitation came to be token. I will walk through the door and leverage the platform for the mission and ministry of Jesus no matter why the invitation came. I chose to lead in the kingdom. That comes at a cost. Everyone has a cost to pay. Mine is not greater than someone else's, but I will leverage every opportunity that's given to me. So that's my perspective. doesn't have to be someone else's, but that's just kind of how I've stewarded that. I figure tokens, your issue, not mine. Uh, someone in the last session talked about when people make comments, intentional or unintentional. Um, and I think this is just a leadership practice that I've had to develop, is that they come like fiery arrows with a little bit of poison at the tip. And you have to be cognizant of creating systems in your life 
and leadership to eliminate the toxins from your own soul. Because if you don't have an elimination system, it begins to develop and then we become bitter and then now we're um, on a soapbox rather than stewarding the platform of Jesus and pointing people back to him who is the head of the church. My name is Debbie, and I am from Indiana. I was a 1997 graduate of Life East and ordained a couple years later. Um, my question this week has been all about restore, and I'd like to know for many of the people I graduated with and for my, you know, even me and myself have been silenced so many times. Is there something on the initiative to restore? I mean, uh, there are so many that I don't, that I had gone to school with and had voices, and they're not even in the ministry, and I'm barely in. I'm on the prayer team. And I'm a banker now, so, the, you know, the bank took me, and they said, we want you, and I've been, you know, rising through the ranks there. But I still have my heart going, okay, God, I, you know, I want back in. But it's been, uh, maybe it's, I hear a lot of West Coast, it's great, great job. <laughs> but over there, it is just, I've, you know, I've had so many, you know, they want my husband, and they're like, well, you can go work with the kids if you'd like. I said, well, that wasn't my, my call, and they're like, but they wouldn't have anything to do with me. Or another, you know, pastor said, told my husband, you need to get her in submission. She's, you know, and so we get silent so much. Is there something on the initiative? I know there's a lot for the kids that are coming. We're changing the culture. But what about, we talk about the 50% that were credentialed. I have credentials. I've been ordained. But they become just words. And so I didn't know if there was something in the works to try and restore there. There will be. <laughs> you know, honestly, I, I, that, that isn't on the radar. And that needs to be on the radar because I'm telling you, in the discovery phase, that story has been told to me again and again and again and again. Real, real quick story. Th I won't give you her name. But anyways, this young lady and her husband in their early 20s went through <coughs> education, went through the, the polity, got to the end. He got the license. She didn't. They started in a ministry, he pastored, and she, by default, went to do the administration, did the children, and there's nothing wrong with the children's ministry, but that, that's what you do if you're a female leader, according to these churches. So now, she's 33, I think, 33, 34, and you don't know who I'm talking about, so I can say this freely, she's the leader. She has the Romans 12, 8 leadership gift. He's a great pastor, a great guy, but she's the leader. But she's out in the marketplace and making bank, and they got her, but the church rejected her. And that's where, that's where there's, there's, there's this shift for the future, but you know what? I, I, somebody's t making a note of that. We'll, there has to be. There has to be some restoration of, because um, that, that's a common story, very common, and I'm sorry. I really am. Uh, we had somebody back there first, I think, yeah. Yeah, so m my name is Chris, also from California. We're going to be moving to New Braunfels, Texas. Um, but we had, in our church, we had a woman on council, and this woman was fantastic. And her husband lived in another city, getting rid of, you know, getting rid of all of stuff, ready to sell their house, so she moved early. And, and we loved them. Uh, they were a phenomenal couple. He started attending our church, and they were there for a year and a half or so. And then it was when she preached that an issue arose. And then um, 
him and I walked through a couple difficult conversations, and they ended up leaving our church. She had to step down from our council. She wrote us a sobbing letter uh, because it wasn't her decision. It was his. Um, and through our conversations, I'd given him that woman in leadership booklet, and, you know, we're, we're four square to the bone, and um, it just wasn't enough. And so, you know, we've had those issues where because we're younger, because we have tattoos, because she spoke, people left. Um, and that never bothered us. But when it was a couple that we were invested in and we loved them, we almost couldn't resource them enough to change their mind. Um, is there going to be, I love this initiative, is there going to be more resources for us as pastors rather than giving them this tiny little book that you can read in, you know, on a potty break? Um, <laughs> which is fantastic. I love that book. That book is great. Um, is there going to be a little bit more that we can potentially, you know, equip, you know, with our new polity process and, and that kind of stuff? Just better we, resources. We are going to and have. Uh, we spent the last two years doing that. And uh, Clayton Robinson uh, put together, you know, Clayton? It's what? Your uncle. Well, I'm going to give him a shout out. But uh, him and some other uh, Foursquare scholars have put together this um, this book called Qu I always say it wrong Quadrum Quadrum Quadrum, and it's by theologians. And I've had a lot of critical eyes on this to really kind of pick it apart. And people that were, anyways, two thumbs up. And this is now available at FoursquareScholars.com dot org dot org. That's why I need people around me. Yes, Steve. Yeah, I, I did a summary of Leah Payne's uh, book on, um, what's it called? Um, it's like Gender in Pentecostal Revivalism. And it focuses on the life of Amy Stump McPherson and, uh, and, and uh, Maria Edward, uh, Edward Woodworth and the things they had to work through being in there. But anyway, yeah, it Quadrum, it the first issue is on women. The videos that are available, I don't know if you've, s have you seen them? The videos that uh, have Jerry Bierman, um, there's like three Jim Adams. It's a great resource. And d are you aware of that? Anybody aware of that in here? A couple of you? <laughs> See, that's the problem. We got the resource, but we got to help me out here. Erica, we got to figure out why it's not getting in their hands. It's really important to have these resources. They're there. They're there. You know, they really are. And on the two troublesome passages, that's all what trips up everybody. We nailed that down, man. Yeah, we can give you bullets for your gun. I promise you. Yeah. Five minutes. Yes. Rob. Um, I've been privileged to know Pastor James. We've had a long time, senior pastor in Ogden, Utah. I would encourage you to start with one step at a time. Uh, we have a 20-year-old in our church council, female. Half of our church council is made up of females. Half of our teaching team is females of different ages. But it has to start one step at a time. Young lady, I'm so sorry. So, so sorry. Because, uh, I mean, James has been a 
I've been his ugly cheerleader for years. Um, He's taken us back to our roots. And as a senior pastor, Henry, I want to ask for your forgiveness for all of our senior pastors who have misrepresented you. In I remember watching Wendy speak for the first time, and I just wept. I watched on the stage at one of the leadership things and just thought, Jesus, we are entering into a new day. Um, she has been a cheerleader. She's been a, a trailblazer for us, and, and God's called you to be a trailblazer. And as a senior pastor, I ask for your forgiveness. And we're going to make a change because God's involved in the whole process. And so keep hanging in there, okay? That lady said it so well. Trailblaze away because she was a fantastic trailblazer. And so God will make a difference in that sense. I'd encourage senior pastors in the room, if you haven't started the step, please, for God's sake, and take one step at a time and one step at a time and one step at a time. Do it in bite-sized pieces, and eventually the ship starts to turn. So. Hi, I'm Daniel, Daniel Rajan from United Kingdom. Uh, just wanted to ask you rather a question in a very gentle manner. While I appreciate the great work that's gone on and the long journey this has taken place, and lovely to see the fruits of your efforts. Um, you started off your uh, talk by saying in way back in 1930, you had 40% as uh, women in leadership. Am I right? And back in 1930, it reduced to 3% or 7%. Yeah, it's now presently at 7%. Seven. So I it was 3%. Three 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 percent. So we've come a long way in that way. Uh, is there any document or has there been any minutes recorded somewhere in the Foursquare board meetings as to, I better stand up so that, you know, I'm still smiling. <laughs> is there anything recorded in the board minutes or documents to say what actually went wrong mm. for things to come from 1930 to 1990? And or are we still, like the young lady said, are we still defining this white elephant in the room while each of you there are doing a lovely job? We know from the secular world and from the Christian world that we are better off efficient if we learn from our mistakes. And that's the future for your daughters and for you. And as a father of three daughters uh, who have done well by God's grace, mm. I think what we need to do is to say, look, this has gone wrong in the church. Like you've told your daughters, has the four square board. I'm not saying tell everybody what went wrong, but somewhere there to document so that it's not somebody's spiritual revelation what went wrong, mm -hmm. but it's documented, the I's dotted and the T's crossed. Mm -hmm. Somewhere there to say this should never ever happen again. Sorry for the long question. Actually, there's been um, a thorough study done by Dan Munns, our supervisor, one of our supervisors, and I just reread it this morning, and he documents it. It's it's really clear what happened, and he gives recommendations which line up with what we're saying. Um, and, and again, back to our board, our international board, they, it's 100%. Everybody understands we've got a problem. Everybody understands that we need solutions. And um, I'm going off the board in a month, so my concern, and I'm trying to sort through that, is whether or not I can lead this from 
outside. We'll figure that one out. But but there are a lot of people on the board that feel passionately about this. But uh, Dan Munns, I don't know if that's out there, but uh, that would be a resource because it's it's really good. It's very thorough, very clear. Whitney, and then we're gonna we're gonna close with prayer. It's a very important prayer. Yes, Whitney. So I want to start out by saying that I, f I do feel hopeful for the direction that we're headed in Foursquare. By the way, um, she's on my team, everybody. Uh, that being said, <laughs> I don't know if you are familiar with an article that came out this morning from Christianity Today um, talking about um, our election last night. And what it has made me realize is that our movement, we, we can think so much sometimes about ourselves and what's happening within our own movement and what we want to see that we don't realize that the world is watching us. I had no idea when I read that article that there was a whole uh, group of Christianity outside of our little movement that is paying attention to what is happening in our culture, in women in ministry leadership in particular. And so I want to be very gentle and kind when I ask this question because I do believe that it is so important for men to to pave the way for women and to champion women, but I also feel like I'm still tagging along a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, when do we finally get to feel like we're walking side by side? Because I do agree with Eleanor and what she said that our hearts sunk a little bit last night or a lot a bit last night because we felt hopeful that this was finally the time that we would get to walk alongside. And so I just wonder if you could address that a little bit. I don't even know if I asked a question in there. You're not, you're not tagging behind, and, but that's how it feels, and I understand that. Um, I, I would say this. It's very important because I've watched a lot of women leaders around me do this, to maintain a heart that is um, not offensive. That's so important. That's all of us, male, female. But this issue here, because here's what's going to happen. What happened with Wendy is your gift will make room for you before the kings. It will. Your gift will make room before the kings. And if I'm a part of something where my gift can't be made, then I'll find something I can. Your gift will make room for you. And that's why you want to just listen. I, uh, we were talking about this, about what do you do to prepare yourself to be your best self so when your opportunity comes, you're ready. But if it, I, I can't be pulled into that spirit of offense either because if I do, and I'm not saying that's what's happening, but I'm saying we can go there. But if I do that, then I won't stop growing. I'm going to get my, my day will never come. So I would say, and I love the fact, I mean, all these young leaders, you're our hope. You're our future. And uh, I promise you there will come a day we will have a female president in Foursquare. I really believe that. I really do. Uh, so, but for a while, you got to let us guys pave the way for you. Sure, real quick. If Tammy had been elected last night, I would not have gotten up at 6.15 and made it to that Q&A. But I was like, because you know when Obama got elected and everyone thought racism was over? And then we found out it wasn't? What, what Emily Plater said to me with the yesterday was, this means it's still our job and that the day isn't over and that we still have work to do. So I got myself up and got to that Q&A and I did not say a word. But I was there because now we have to be there and we have to show up and we have to do those things and we thought we didn't have to anymore, but we do. And that's my, now that's my response. 
I want us to pray. And uh, Wendy, let you facilitate this prayer. I'm going to ask um, specifically for the female leaders in the room who have shared your experience in some way, shape, or form, uh, if you would just stand to your feet. There is incredible solidarity in the body of Christ when as brothers and sisters and co-laborers that we share one another's burdens. Mm -hmm. um, and so it felt like a moment that we need to lean into and not shy away from. So I'm going to ask for those male elders in the room to surround these ladies. And I want to publicly confess on behalf of our movement as one who sits in an authority seat and say, I'm sorry for where we have missed it, where we have overlooked you, where we have disregarded you and not listened. I think we can do better. There may be some of you ladies that are s sitting that you feel the same way, but you didn't express your story. We would love to pray for you as well if you feel that way. I'd, I'd love to pray with you. Yeah. Can you stand? That's okay. Doesn't matter. So, Father God, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we come with humble and repentful hearts. God, you know the depravity of sin that lies in the human heart, and you know how prejudiced and biased we are as spiritual leaders. And so, Holy Spirit, you are not bound by time. God Almighty, you are not bound by time. And Jesus, you have given us the promise to never forsake. So we ask that right now that you would begin to bring healing, restoration power into the marrow of the brokenness. God, that these women would be restored yes. and not just to what was, but to what should have been. So God, would you begin to awaken dreams in them? Would they begin to experience these fathers and brothers co-laboring with them, sharing their burdens with them and being conduits and administrators of your healing power to them? Would you forgive us? God, would you forgive us how, who have been gatekeepers, people of power, when we have not seen, when we have not stepped into and leaned into what is uncomfortable and been creatures of comfort? So God, I pray that for these women who have stood today, that there would be something redemptive that would happen in the marrow of their spirit in the name of Jesus. May it be so. In the name of the Lord Jesus, may the curses that have been spoken over you be broken now. The wrongful things that have been said over to you by specifically men in authority. May those strong ties be broken right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.
And may healing flood your soul and freedom flood your soul and new dreams flood your soul to dream of what God can do through you. Father, lift those burdens right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray along with this for every, every male pastor in this room, I pray that we will begin to see the vision for being the champion for those that you have raised up, our sisters in the faith, that we will take that on today to see it as our, our mandate and our calling to pave the way for both men and women in leadership, that our sons and daughters will prophesy. Thank you, Father. We thank you for this moment of healing, this moment of restoration. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So thank you guys so very much. Um, it was a great time. God bless you.